0: Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here this afternoon with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. Hello, and we are here to discuss your sermon from this past Sunday um, from the, the sermon series, Look to the Rock. And the title of the sermon was Bedrock Beliefs. So, and the sermon gets its, the series gets its title from Isaiah 51.1, um, Look to the Rock from which you were hewn. Yeah, it's a
1: really cool, passage I think one of the things that's so fun for me about scripture I mean you know me well enough to know that there's a there's kind of a, a content side and then an artistic side in me mm-hmm. and so I enjoy those kind of poetic places in scripture as well as the kind of truth affirmation places and this is a, such a poetic notion uh, this idea of our being part of something larger that defines us and uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun to think about this. If you look at Isaiah chapter 51, the rest of the chapter, which we won't be looking at in this series, but it provides the context of the passage. It's really cool to see how it says, first of all, you as an individual believer are part of this larger family of faith that has stretched across the ages and stretches around the world. Mm-hmm. And then behind that is the God who is God, who is the rock for his people. Mm-hmm. And he gives those people their definition so it's like you can trace who you are back to the rest of the people of god and then trace the rest of the people of god back to who god himself is which Mm -hmm. really is kind of a core notion in what we're trying to accomplish over these four weeks and certainly what we tried to do on this past sunday is to ask so what does that what should define us if that's true
0: Mm -hmm. right and um as we were talking about bedrock beliefs, you brought up the denomination that our church is a part of, our um, covenant is part of the evangelical Presbyterian church. Mm -hmm. Um, And the EPC has a motto that when I was looking um, at covenant at this position that I hold right now, um, and I read this motto in essentials unity in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity or love, um, it really struck a chord with me. Um, I really, really appreciated that there were essentials that unified us and non-essentials in which we have freedom Hmm. to perhaps believe differently than each other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I had the same reaction when I encountered this. It's like, yes, that is so us. You know, we just came into the denomination, what, 10 or a dozen years ago. But this is who we've been the entire time I've been at Covenant, being able to try to walk this kind of creative tension. What struck me just as you were sharing that is the denomination that we left mm-hmm. is known for its, its laxity, its freedom. But mm. but doesn't have the strength of conviction. There is a, a denomination that's split off from the, the mainline denomination, which has all of the strength of conviction, but no gentleness with it. Mm. It's it's very dogmatic in its approach. And one of the things I love about this as is, is true with virtually every theological. Uh, affirmation we can make is there are two things that seem to be paradoxical or held in tension uh, um, or oppositional that that can be held in tension and this is a great example of that. We unbudgingly hold this and we have freedom in these areas. Well, which one is it? Yes, it's both. Yeah. Where God has made it really clear that we should be willing to live and die for this, we are. Where God has not made that clear, there's freedom mm-hmm. and uh, as opposed to going to one or the other of those two extremes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Um, this is a great picture of our being one in spirit and in purpose with our larger denominational family.
0: Yes. And I think one of the points you brought up before we get into the three essentials that you laid out on Sunday, one of the points you brought up was that there is such a temptation to take a non-essential and make it an essential and then demand unity around that. Um, and I mean, that could be something like, uh, you know, seven day creation. We, you know, is that, you know, I would say that the essential is that God created, right? That is the essential. That is the foundation of our faith. And we can disagree whether it was um, over thousands of years or over seven days. Um, and that's a great example. So, Yeah. And so to say like, oh, well, God created in seven days. And so therefore that's the essential and we all have to be unified around that. Well, I think that adds more to what is foundational.
1: Yeah, I I think that's really great insight. And then I think, Michelle, when you widen it out and begin to ask questions that um, may not fit in the small box of my own personal piety and devotional, my own love for the Lord and how that plays out in my own life. Mm -hmm. And we start to ask convictions about like, well, what should the shape of society be? Or how should the nation be governed? Or which is the best political party? Or how should we respond to a virus that is affecting every part of the world? I think one of the things we don't recognize, you know, we'll, we'll say, yes, our unity is in Jesus. Yes, our unity is in Jesus. And then those other issues Mm -hmm. um, will rise up and, and, and insist upon unity. Um, Everybody has to see this the same way I do. And I think that's been one of the real challenges for the church and for covenant during the last year and a half is Mm -hmm. people who would say, absolutely, Jesus is Lord of everything. But man, this is how we've got to respond to this pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's the only acceptable way to do that. Or or to the the race issue, or to to who should be in the Oval Office, or whatever it is. And and so I think this is, is an incredibly timely um, word for us, mm-hmm. and a challenging mm-hmm. one for all of us personally, because we all do it. We all mm-hmm. want to pick our favorite non-essential things and elevate them to the place of essential, and then say, how could you yeah. not see this the way I do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and then this is where you know, in my family, we have diverging views on how we handle this pandemic. And, you know, I'm, and so I'm constantly having to remind myself, we are united as a family, we are united in Christ and my young adult children and my siblings and my parents and my extended family, like, Everybody has the freedom to respond to this pandemic in the way that God has led them to.
1: Yeah, what a great example. And that's a beautiful picture. That's like the church in miniature. It's, I had a fascinating conversation when I went up to the quarry um, to film the little snippet that I did. The man that I interacted with uh, ha- has had some church um, uh, experience, but would not consider himself a church person. And somehow, our in the hour and a half we had together, our conversation wandered over into some of these things that are kind of social issues on the on the horizon. And and he said, you know, the thing I just don't understand is why why people in the church can't just sit down and say, so what are your views on this? Hmm. Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. That's interesting. I can kind of agree with you on that. Could I share my perspective and and that he said what i i can have those conversations with people why can people in the church not have those it's like uh yes you're right you're right (laughs) exactly yeah so i i think this this is such a sweet invitation for us To live into more and more. And I do want to say, you know, there are some places where some of this has gurgled up of that impulse in us to make non-essentials essentials essentials, or to want to insist that everybody see things the way we do and then to hunker down into camps when we don't. But this is so much the heart of so many who are part of the covenant family. And it's who we want to be. Mm -hmm. In essentials, unity. We want to stand strong in our convictions. And then in non-essentials, freedom. Mm -hmm. And we want to acknowledge, yes, the scripture is authoritative, but there are differences in the way people interpret some of these issues, like you said, age of the earth, and in all things, love, not uh, resentful tolerance, but Mm -hmm. love, this is part of Mm -hmm. the beauty of who we are as a body of Christ, Mm -hmm. we are centered on one thing, which is Jesus, Mm -hmm. and not, not also the political party that we're aligned with or whatever it just to pull that out of the air as an example. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. And um speaking of Jesus, yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> that is the first essential belief that you laid out is that um Jesus alone is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um,
1: and yeah, it was striking to me Michelle as I came into this thinking about these essential beliefs I um, you may remember that I paused for a moment with this word belief and Mm. contrasted faith and Mm. religion and it was I'd never gone back and kind of traced back I had with the word belief I mean I knew that that was a very relational word Mm -hmm. but I hadn't done the same thing with the word religion and it was fascinating to to learn that the roots of the word mean uh, scrupulous observance and wow Mm. what a what a characteristic way so many people view religions. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. It's very impersonal, very rule-bound. Um, and and how cool to think of Christianity as a as a trust, as a confidence, as a faith, um,
0: as a relationship.
1: As a, that's exactly right. Yes. That as it's a, a relational thing we're talking about. So that just leads straight to the person mm-hmm. who's nature and character whose living, risen presence defines every part of the church worldwide, but also this particular local congregation.
0: Right, yes. And and as we talk through these these essential beliefs, um, if there were two questions that you asked of each one of them, and one question was, what are the implications of this truth to me? And what are the, the implications Of this truth to us as a body of believers, and um, I I have to be honest. (laughs) Okay, I'm laying it on the line here. I was like, I I really, I generally really don't like having the same question for every point. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, same question. Okay, whatever. You like it just doesn't stimulate a lot of thought or just dis- or reflection in me and so it's just a personal preference <laughs> So that's kind of, thanks for putting that's, that out there that's, that's kind great. of where i was with this and then i have and then you know i was like uh, at the staff devotions on tuesday morning we went through those implications and um in that and i was in that devotions in smaller groups. And I was like, Oh, no, that's a real question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the honesty. Well, and, and that's, yeah. Could David, couldn't you have been more artful than this, but actually um, what, what is, what struck me? Those questions force themselves upon me because the, I mean, the more I thought about this, the more I thought, these are not just dead affirmations. These aren't things we stick in a box and stick in the attic of the church somewhere and say, well, when we need to find them, what are those essential beliefs we have? So I know they're lying around here somewhere. Let's go Mm -hmm. hunt for them. It's actually just the opposite. These are living convictions. And Mm -hmm. as I started just thinking it through, I thought, you know, the point isn't, okay, the goal is you have this memorized. The goal is that you can quote the nine verses that support each of these. The goal is can you put your finger on the difference that this makes because these are living affirmations that we're making Mm -hmm. and and each one of them um kind of ripples out into a whole variety of different ways that they really change the way my life and our life look Mm
0: -hmm.
1: every week every Mm -hmm. day
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and one of the implications from this first one that was brought up in staff devotions is that is that question of am I Christ focused or am I task focused today. Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Oh wow." And I thought back to Sunday afternoon. I was wrapping things up at church, one of the only ones left in the building, and somebody walked in late.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And needed a pastoral touch, and I'm like, "I'm not a pastor." like compassion is really low on my <laughs> list of spiritual gifts. And, um, and as I reflected on that interaction that I had with this person, I thought, oh, I was constantly going back and forth between those two. Like I have tasks to finish and I need to be present. I have tasks to finish and I need to be present. Um, and it just was a good reminder to me that, my list may be twenty things long, but I need to be focused on Christ and on His person, on who He is, and what He has for me today.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, the 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 um, the moment arrives so subtly when me living my life for Jesus flips upside down and becomes about me instead of about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and it's it just. We do that so easily. We do that rollover so easily. And you know, a deeper um, mindfulness of the fact that everything that I do is also for him. So, what's on my list, it needs to be under his lordship. And this interruption, which may actually be an appointment that he planned that I wasn't aware of, um, mm-hmm. is also um, under his lordship. So, is whatever free time or rest I feel I need. So, I mean, he sees it all. I see snippets of it. And, um, and then that relational dynamic to be able to, to turn and say, Jesus, what do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what should I do now? Um, mm-hmm. Help me. How do I, I don't feel like I have time for this. You know, these other things that are pressing priorities. So what would you have me do? Or order this for me? And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, there's such yeah. freedom in that and such right. joy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. I on this one, one of the things that just struck me, um, kind of going through, wow, this is, this really is the this living center of our faith that the Christian life boils down to following Jesus. That the goal of Christian maturity boils down to becoming like Jesus. The 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 end, the fulfillment of our hope is going to be with Jesus for eternity. Mm. The the essence of Christian leadership is is our leading others as we are led by Jesus and. Uh, our final authority is Jesus, what what you say goes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we know what Jesus says because we have the Bible.
1: You know, we <laughs> um, should make that one of our essentials. That's really good.
0: Yeah. So the second essential is that the Bible is trustworthy and authoritative. Did I say that right? Yes, absolutely. Authoritative. It just always sounds a little odd to my ear. Um, so, and I think the one thing that in this point that I really was like, oh, that's a good reminder to me is that the Bible is trustworthy and authoritative in particulars and in principles. And I'm, I thought, oh, that's good because there's so many times when we just think of, oh, that's a biblical principle. Oh, that's a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. Um, and not necessarily, oh, wait, the Bible does, does, it does address the particulars of who I am to be as I live my life.
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's particulars still apply. I mean, what, it's interesting, uh, James Davison Hunter wrote a book called Culture Wars, which is exceptional as a sociologist at the University of Virginia. And he talked about these two basic, you know, there, there are a lot of people who would say the Bible is my final authority, but some from a more liberal perspective, would have the perspective that says, well, the principles still apply. We should be loving. We should seek justice. We should serve those in the margins. But mm-hmm. the particulars don't apply, like biblical sexual morality. That's mm. old and that's outdated according to that perspective, not my perspective. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think this affirmation is so important because the other group says, no, it's, that, that's, that's universal stuff. That's, that's timeless stuff. That still applies to us today, all of it not just the pick and choose parts, which mm-hmm. then gets to one of the implications is we don't sift through and say still relevant or still authoritative, no longer authoritative, still authoritative, mm-hmm. no longer uh, but instead our goal is to understand it and stand under it rather mm-hmm. than standing over it in scrutiny and mm-hmm. deciding which parts still are valid.
0: Mm-hmm. And I liked that I liked that um that word play. We stand mm-hmm. under, not stand over. I wrote that down in my notes because it just helps me remember like, oh, yes, I am not the authoritative uh, voice on the Bible, right? Like the Bible has authority over me, not me over the Bible. Um, yeah,
1: and and I think the word authority is so sorry. Go ahead. No, finishing? go ahead. OK, the, the word authority, uh, we've, we've alluded to this in past conversations, but I'm convinced When it comes to spiritual matters, the word authority is one of the most important concepts right now in our age. Mm. But it's not a word we use. We don't know that that's the thing that we're talking about. But when we talk about authority, we're saying, where do I turn to get the final answers to my spiritual questions? And and where do I turn with confidence? And, And when you begin to ask that question... As you're having a debate with someone or a conversation with someone who's saying no I think kind of anything goes as it relates to sexuality is great you know kind of um what whatever you see as love is love and and to be able to say so where you know tell me about that what's the origin of that idea where did you how did you Mm -hmm. arrive at that well uh, it just feels right or uh, that's what I was taught in this class. Or it's 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 just interesting. Oh, so there is a source of authority that's behind that. And then you can have a really fruitful conversation. I mean, debating, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong. We get nowhere mm. except in right. just entrenched camps. But if we can have a conversation about, you know, I'm I'm really curious about what would give you the confidence in that source of authority that you're identifying. And could I share with you why I have so much confidence in? in the scriptures as, as my source of authority, then you can actually have a really fruitful discussion mm-hmm. coming from two very different perspectives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the other points you made under this um, essential was that God has spoken plainly to us through the Bible. And you said it, it kind of sounded like uh, like a throwaway comment, like, so there's no secret knowledge. And I really just kind of latched onto that because I thought that that's so true. Like we believe there is no secret knowledge. Um, and that is a red flag when somebody claims to have secret knowledge claims to have a secret revelation from the, from God, that's the red flag to say, uh, no, that is a cult or that's, a false prophet or like, I need to not listen to that person because God has spoken plainly to us through the Bible. Yeah.
1: Which, um, and, and so two things become true at the same time. One is at, it, it's plain and straightforward. There isn't a single matter of essential doctrine There's really any disagreement about what it means or what it's trying to say. It's it's plainly put forward in Scripture, and Scripture requires, and we're going to be talking about this in two weeks. It requires a very thoughtful engagement to to Mm -hmm. make good sense of the plain teaching of Scripture. Requires something other than just saying, "Well, it just literally says this, so I'm just going to take it on face value for what it says." And it must mean what is obvious to me. And then there I go and said, well, mm-hmm. well, wait, actually that's poetic language. And and what are the implications of that? Yes, it's true, but you know, so that more, mm-hmm. um, yeah. The, another one of the places where there's kind of attention, but
0: well, uh, yeah, and, I agree with you. I, I mean, and just as, I, I, I think we need to say something to this effect of the Bible also doesn't make sense to people who aren't following jesus
1: no that's right
0: you know and so if because the
1: spirit is the interpreter of of the scripture that he has inspired
0: right and so and so then i just remember talking with joanne Kuipers one day and she said you know i was reading the bible and it wasn't making any sense and i just sat there and i thought God, I do not, this does not make sense to me. You need to show me what this means or help me understand it. And she said, that was the turning point in her life of faith that the Holy Spirit just really opened up scriptures to her and helped her to understand. And I just thought, oh, I just love that story mm-hmm. so much.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. And a, a beautiful woman of faith. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, if that's the fruit that's born from that. Yeah. Yeah yeah Yeah, what a a great insight i think that's exactly right yeah yeah and the um we this came up in the staff discussion also but that whole idea of being like the bereans and where is it in acts chapter 17 Mm -hmm. listened to the teaching that they received from those who are in positions of spiritual authority and then they went to the scriptures to see if what was said was true um right and so that idea that um Another kind of secret knowledge is that only the pastors or the priests can really make sense of what the Bible says. No, not at all. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew or go to seminary to understand what the Bible says. It may help you understand nuances and dimensions of it in a little bit of a different way, but not to understand the scriptures differently, Uh, Mm. maybe just a tad more, yeah, in a tad more nuanced way. But yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important because I think sometimes we can get caught up into um, a cultural interpretation of scripture that isn't true to what the Bible says. And we get caught up into it because we're not checking. Is this really what the Bible says?
1: Yeah. And we all, it's, it's our inclination is always going to be to want to, and I think this is part of the the deep temptation to the sin of idolatry is t- to look to something a little easier
0: mm. than
1: God as our final authority. So give me yes. somebody a little closer, a little more in the flesh, a little bit more like me. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me just trust. I'll put my trust in Rob Eiman. He knows what he's talking about. I, mm-hmm. I'll let him do the study of scripture and then tell me what it says.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And And that temptation...
0: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. is present for all of us
0: oh yeah it really is yeah well the last essential that we talked about on sunday was the church exists to proclaim and live out the love of god and um this is a phrase that you've been using no probably for the past year ish maybe that the church is a colony of heaven. And, um, I, I just really like the imagery in that phrase that, yeah. you know, yeah, we're a colony. We're in the world, but not of the world. Like we're, I mean, that a colony of heaven kind of really brings that to, to life.
1: Yeah. Isn't that a compelling metaphor? That's Samuel Moffat's translation of Philippians 317 or something that mm-hmm. says, or somewhere in there, 27, um, it says, um, other translations say we are citizens of heaven, but it's talking about the plurality, and I think it's a really compelling translation, and and it evokes so much. All You just start thinking about everything that means. Um, wow, what a rich metaphor. Yeah, we have a king, but he isn't in this land. He's in the land that we came from, and, and this is establishing the presence of that realm here in this uh, world, and and we abide by its customs and its tastes and, and its priorities, but we do that in a way that engages meaningfully with the world around us. And, and part of our goal is to invite people to come join us in this colony and all that. Yeah, there's so much there.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: And that really gets at, I think that one of the things I really try to capture in this section, um, I think you see where I talk about this, the idea that we are Um, we are God's people wherever we are Mm -hmm. and, and God, we are God's people. We are as much God's people when we are gathered together as when we are scattered. And we are as much God's people as we are, when we are scattered as when we are gathered. And I think it's really tempting for us to think church is that thing I do for that one out of my 168 hours a week and then I go do my life, the rest of it, but, and kind of forget that we are kind of the online experience of church is reminding us that we are the church. Even when we are flung out there, mm. we are still together, the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, mm-hmm. this gets at both sides of that coming together as a community of affection, going out as a mission outpost.
0: Mm-hmm. And that the Christian life cannot be lived outside the community of church. That's um, that is something that has that as I have grown older, I've realized more and more that my Christian life is not a personal endeavor. It is a communal endeavor, Mm -hmm. whether it's community within my family, um, but more broadly within the church.
1: Yeah, and I think that's true in, in at least two ways. One is all the encouragement gifts that come, um, because somebody else is good at something that that blesses and serves me as they use their gifts. Then I'm strengthened as a follower of Christ in a way I never could be if I'm doing this solo. Mm-hmm. And there are also friction gifts that come in the body where I mm-hmm. um, I am alongside someone who is a different age than I am, and I have to work a little harder to relate to that person, or is a different ethnicity, and I have to not just work harder to maybe understand language, but to understand culture and, um, and people who are in positions of spiritual authority, that there's friction always there. It's like, well, this, is how I would, this isn't how I would lead this place, you know, That, mm-hmm. um, but all of those become means in the hands of God to form us into more Christ-like people. So both the encouragement gifts and the friction gifts are so crucial, I think, to mm-hmm. the, to the forming us into the likeness of Jesus that God means to do
0: mm-hmm. through the body. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. And so many times we think of those frictions um, and conflict and frustrations as uh, hmm, as problems, as uh, oh, take this away from me.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: You know, like, uh, you know, what the the uh, the the phrase is always, well, my job would be easier if it weren't for the people, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's in every industry.
1: Yeah. And
0: it, and, and the reality is, well, you, would you have a job if it weren't for the people? <laughs> Probably right. not. So, yeah. People yeah, we are, are so important.
1: much the richer as people of God in the family of God.
0: hmm yeah, absolutely. We are, and as we end, do you have any last comment that you would like to leave us with?
1: Well, I, I guess um, two things that come to my mind is, you know, part of why I spelled out some of the implications that came to my mind, and then turned right around and asked the staff to come up with implications that come to their mind is. I am so persuaded that this is a living, defining faith that we are affirming and not some dead, dusty on the shelf sort of set of affirmations. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think a really fruitful conversation for us to be having this week among our small groups and in our conversations is, you know, so we we said some pretty obvious things on Sunday. We <laughs> some of these things we affirmed about Jesus and, and the Bible and the church. But what are the implications of that? And what would it mean for us to live more lives that more reflect those affirmations we make?
0: Mm-hmm. I think the other
1: thing that I would just say is I think this whole series, this whole four-week series, will really be a fun time for us to keep clarifying the question, what makes covenant covenant?
0: Mm-hmm. One
1: of the things we're uh, likely to be doing this Sunday is taking having a little bit of open mic time where we're going to actually say to the congregation, what are some things you love about the church? We want to give you a moment. Just stand up in a sentence or two and share that with one another, um, as a way of celebrating um, Jesus. Plus, these affirmations or beliefs, these places we put our confidence in Him, equals a living, vibrant reality called life in the church that is not to be missed. Mm. Um, so, so for us to keep asking, what what does make this church family what it is Mm and how can i celebrate that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and it's good to celebrate it is we can forget that yes because there's always room
1: for improvement it's easy for us to focus on what isn't and just not pause and
0: and there's always work to be done
1: that's right
0: so yeah it is good to celebrate so well thank you david for your time today
1: thank you michelle
0: And thank you all for joining us. Whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on Facebook or on our blog or on our podcast, we are glad that you took the time to spend it with us. And if you have questions or comments, please leave those. I look at every one of them. Um, Have a great day.
1: Hi, everyone.